Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, I am so excited to be hanging out with Josh Glazer, who is the executive director of Regeneration, an awesome ministry equipping men, women, and families to learn and live God's good, holy, and beautiful design for sexuality. Regeneration is an awesome place where you can engage your story, deeply experience God, and become more whole. And Josh is also the host of the Becoming Whole podcast, another great resource. And uh, we are both unwanted certified guides, which is pretty cool. Welcome, Josh. Yeah, glad to be here, Drew. Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. And it's been a while. You were on the podcast before, but uh, for anybody who hasn't heard your first episode uh, describing the difference between lust and and love, who is Josh Glazer? Yeah. Um, Who is Josh Glazer? He's a tired old man. No, he's, um, (laughs) I feel like that. I'm 50. I'm 50, which is, I turned 50 this year, which is uh, really weird. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm the executive director of Regeneration. I'm a father of five. Uh, my family also, uh, for the last few years, has been a foster family. So we got a little foster baby at our home. So the kids in our house range from 18 down to uh, six months. So we're a, we're a very weird, uh, busy, wonderful home. And wow. I'm a I'm a lover of Jesus, uh, and more more than that, I'm I'm loved by Jesus, which uh, I have to say is is great. Yeah, um, I'm 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 pretty poor at loving him uh, when I when I get down to it, but but I do love him, um, and I love frisbee, ultimate frisbee, which is not the same as frisbee golf. Frisbee yes. golf is a is a great game, but it is not the same. Ultimate frisbee is uh, the greatest sport in the world. So yeah, there you go. Man, one of these one of these days, whenever we get together in person, we have to play catch. We have to play frisbee. Oh, please, please! I, one of my yeah. one of my just the joys of my life is going out and just throwing a frisbee back and forth. I don't know. There's something therapeutic about it for me. It's just good. I, you play ultimate? Yes, I play on the beach. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! So, that's yeah. brutal. It's brutal. I'm I'm going to go play later today and that's like my release. It's it's a physical release and it's also enjoyable to to jump in the ocean afterwards if it's oh, it's good wow. weather. So that's like my my little paradise. Um I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm so with you about ultimate frisbee. Um good. Bless you, yeah. Drew. Bless you and your ultimate. <laughs> Thank you. Ultimate. I, I'm so glad we both love that. Today we are talking about a topic that is going to help everyone listening to move beyond simple behavior management. Uh, there's too much porn recovery out there that's just hyper-focused on the surface level. And, and today we're talking about an approach that Josh has developed called tracking the heart that is going to help us look at the deeper matters of our heart about, about what's going on uh, underneath the surface. Josh, why is that so important? On a base level, it's it's important because every single person listening to this call, and including you and me, have experienced the the attempt of managing our behavior, changing our behavior without tracking the heart. And what ends up happening is we just end up recurring the same patterns over and over again. And it is infuriating and it feels it just en- enhances futility and um 
yeah, I mean, it just turns into this maddening cycle. And that's what I lived with for, for so many years. Of I could not figure out why I kept doing the same things over and over again. And it wasn't until people began helping me to track my heart that I was like, oh, 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 this isn't coming out of nowhere. This is actually rooted in something much deeper. Um, yeah. So that's, I think that's the immediate answer why it's so important. Awesome. And what does it mean to track your heart? Uh, at, a, at a base level, it, it means that everything that we do, whether it's, it's the actions that we do or the things that we say, um, the things that we neglect to do. So all of, all of the, you know, the, the visible stuff, the audible stuff to everybody in the world, to us, that's, that's the stuff that um, it comes from somewhere else. And so we begin by just acknowledging this is coming from somewhere. And so, you know, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, so there's, he's immediately telling us there's, this is not just something that you need to control. You don't just shut your mouth and have everything. Okay. There's something else going on. Um, so the illustration I like to use, if I can just dive into that, just taking a look at a tree. So if this is, which hand, which hand is a better tree? This is a better tree. So if this, if this is the branches on a tree, um, the behavior is the, are, is the fruit. That's what's coming off the tree. And so where we have bad fruit, I'm looking at porn. I'm hooking up with people I don't know. Um, I'm I'm sleeping with my girlfriend when I want to remain chaste. Um, that's bad fruit. And so just plucking off fruit, you know that that's an attempt. And God bless your heart for that. But uh, but the fruit just grows back. Um, the so we want to look at the rest of the tree. And so in in the model I'm thinking of the 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 branch of the tree um, is what produces the fruit. And a lot of times I think in our culture, we like to think that the, what I do out of what I, what I, what I think, you know, give me more information and that'll change my behaviors, but actually we're much more prone to do things or not do things out of what we feel. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I feel a longing and I respond to that longing. I feel desire, respond to that desire. Um, but where do our desires come from? Where do our longings come from? Where do our feelings come from? Well, they, they come from what we think. And so that's the trunk of the tree is what we, what we think. And here's, this is, this is interesting because I think a lot of us, again, in our uh, cerebral uh, focused culture, we think that what we think are, the, are, are just words like, and, and we can think in words, but, but, but often our thoughts come as just either nebulous ideas or images. And images are actually some of the most powerful thoughts we have. So, and we can talk about more, about more about that later, but so beginning to pay attention to, I feel this, here are the thoughts I have, including images that are in my brain. And I'm not just talking about pornographic images here. I'm talking about images of, of God, images of myself, images of my, my friends or loved ones around me. It sounds like you're talking about the imagination. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and this is, so I, I've heard you talk about this a little bit, and this is where some of the, the beauty comes in between the way that we take our imagination into fantasy versus God's invitation to engage our imagination. So let's come mm -hmm. back to that. Cause that's, I think that's some of the places where, where there's real healing for people. Um, and depending on what Christian tradition you're in, it, it might be a little bit revolutionary to, to begin thinking about our engagement with God using the imagination. Um, but the, the, the tree doesn't stop at the, at the trunk. It actually goes under the, under the surface of the ground. It goes to the roots. And actually, if you explore the roots of a tree, they extend further than the branches of the tree. So they are, even though they're invisible, they're some of the most substantial, significant part of the tree. Um, and the roots 
grow in the ground. So there's 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 soil around it. There's there's artifact around it, and so the the roots of the tree are our beliefs, um, not our not our what theologians call our confessional beliefs. Like I might say, you know, I believe in God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. I might you know recite the Apostles' Creed or or you know the Westminster Confessional or whatever. But really, we're talking about our functional beliefs. Those are the things that that are we kind of believe in our gut. You know, the difference between our head and our heart. This is this is what I what I really believe. Um, you, you know what you really believe by what comes out of your mouth or by what comes out of in, in your behaviors. Um, well, where do our beliefs come from? Not just by what we're taught. That's the, you know, the, the words, the sentences that we're taught, but they come from our experiences. And so the ground often includes things like our family of origin, my relationship with my mom, my dad, um, the way that they related to one another, those things create beliefs. Um, yeah. I like that image of our beliefs developing in this environment. Like the roots yeah. are in the ground and the ground includes our family experiences. The ground includes our experiences with other kids when we were growing up. Yeah. Recently in the husband material community, 88% of men said that they were bullied. Wow. I mean, that's a huge part of the soil of the ground. Yep. Uh, yep that we're talking about here things like uh, early sexual experiences yep. or maybe the lack of conversations about sexuality that yeah. any topic was okay to talk about except this one. Mm. That's part of the soil, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and questions like what does that communicate to a little kid or to a teenager about their burgeoning sexual feelings yeah what are some of those beliefs that you hear that are really common uh patrick carnes years ago identified several core beliefs that people have, i'm you know i'm basically a bad unworthy person um uh, if if i have to rely on anybody else my needs won't be met uh i mean those are i think those are significant ones um yeah can i share a story yeah when i was um uh, when I was 12, 11 or 12 years old, uh, we were visiting my dad, visiting. We were always visitors at my dad's house because my parents were divorced when I was very young. That's a, that's their messages there too. Um, but we got a, we got a letter from my mom when we were there. And so my, my two brothers and I, and, uh, my dad sat us down with my stepmom, my half sister. And, and he said, we, you know, your mom sent a letter and the letter in essence said, among other things, uh, I'm, I'm exhausted and I need a break. And so for the next three years, each of you will take one year and live with your father. And, um, my, my two brothers got up and, you know, stormed out of the room yelling, I'm not going to do it. This sucks, blah, blah, blah. And I just was frozen. I was, I was, uh, so afraid. <clears throat> and I was also blindsided because I had, I had no idea that my mom felt that way. And so, um, I, I thought I was a, a good kid. Anyway, all this is under the radar, you know, like I'm just, I'm in this moment of like terror. I'm like, what the hell is going to happen? Um, I'm scared. I don't know who to talk to. I don't want to hurt my dad's feelings by saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings. I'm not giving a choice. All that stuff. My, my twin brother decides he'll get it over with. So he, he goes the first year. So three weeks later, four weeks later, I'm back home in Colorado. My brother's now living in Maryland with my dad. Um, and I remember walking down the street and I was passing by this other kid's house who went to my school. 
And he and his two brothers were just, they were rough kids. They were, they were tough. They misbehaved. Um, they, they had a single mom and they just, my impression of them were this, they were tough and they were rough and they were trouble. And I remember, I, I remember uh, stopping in front of their house and thinking to myself, I'm that kind of kid. I'm that kind of kid. I never thought about myself that way that way before. And, and in my J Stringer uncertified or certified guide training, um, uh, I remember sharing the story with him and he's with our group. And he said, um, Josh, were you that kind of kid? And I, I teared up and I was like, I was never that kind of kid ever. And so, but that message came in that, that this is the kind of kid I'm, I'm just too much. I'm too much. I'm too much for my mom. Like something's wrong with me. And I, and I don't even know it. I'm not even aware of it. Um, hmm. and uncoincidentally, my pornography problem, uh, started in that next, within those six to 12 months of, of the, these different experiences coming together. Um, so anyway, that, those are just some of the, I went on and on, but the, that first category is what, what are the beliefs under the ground? What's the soil about who I am and my identity? And that eventually led to thoughts and images that turned into, emotions and behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of went backwards looking at the soil and, and going all the way up to the fruit, but usually we're not aware of the soil. So if yeah. we, if we have some bad fruit in our lives, how do we track the heart and get down to the roots? Yeah. I, I, so you can think about it a couple of ways. One is in, in the moment. So in the moment when, when you've either just acted out and that's honestly for a lot of people, that's where you have to start. You know, it, I think temptation and acting out can come so quickly. Um, instead of having to wait until some other time, just start there. Just look, begin to look back with kindness at, okay, that's what I did. Um, and I know you do some good work with guys drew on, uh, what specifically they were drawn to, what specifically they were fantasizing about, what their arousal template is, that's focused on that piece of fruit. Like what there's, there's, there's some clues in this fruit about what, where I go from here. Um, from there, a guy can begin to ask just simple questions about what, what was happening for me before I acted out. Let me, let me look at the, the previous 24 to 48 hours and begin just to pay attention to what was I feeling in that time? And in my experience, a lot of guys, if they if they've not grown up in an environment where they're invited to to recognize and pay attention to and articulate their feelings, this is hard work. And so you might need some help just just examining. You might need to look at your circumstances. You might need to guess. You know, pull out a, an emotions sheet, a feelings list, and just even if you can't figure out why, just start put a little check mark. I, I think maybe something like this, something like this, something like this. Um, just to begin to pay attention to. That's actually a really helpful practice in general uh, in, this, in the process. And then, and then from there, once you begin to identify, I think I was feeling some of these things, then you can start asking the question, what kinds of things were happening that, that I was thinking about? Um, and again, not just the cerebral kind of sentences, but were there images attached to that feeling? Um, were there ideas attached to that feeling? And sometimes those might be nebulous. Um, if you're an artist, you can even begin to, to, you know, paint a picture, draw a picture, write a song about some of, of just 
get imaginative here, get symbolic here. Like what, what are some of the ideas, the images that kind of fit with the feelings that you're experiencing mm-hmm. that moment? Um, and then from there, you can begin to examine like, what are some of the core beliefs that might connect to for me? Mm-hmm. Um, this is not easy work. This is, but this, if you, so if you do it right after you, after a fall or, and you can also do that bef- before a fall, if you're feeling tempted, begin to, to track back. A lot of us, especially when we, when we start this, we're going to need help. We're going to need someone both just to help to be with us so that we can be a little less anxious, so we can be a little more calm in this moment. I completely agree with you. And you said something really important that we need to do it with kindness. Yeah. Why? Why is kindness so important? First, first and foremost, because the, the Lord is kind. Um, and his kindness is important to us because we, we are living, we're organic. Uh, if, if you go after trying to heal a tree by taking an ax, even to the, to the roots, you kill the tree. Um, if you start cutting off limbs and that's, that's how you're trying to manage it, you're, you're hurting the tree. Um, if you want to begin looking at the soil, you don't take a bulldozer because you're going to mess with the roots. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you want to be more like a, um, an archaeologist who's looking for treasure. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's a, another stringer idea. But um, and, and all of that loops around to and we discover it's what we've needed all along. We've, we've needed love and kindness and it's what we've been looking for. And so if we, if we, yeah, let me stop there. You're nodding. I want, I want to hear from you. Like, what comes to mind for you as you're thinking about why, why kindness, Drew? I love it. Only kindness can heal. Criticism, mm-hmm. condemnation, and contempt will kill the tree. <laughs> oh my goodness. And that's the stuff in the soil, right? Yeah. That's the stuff in the soil that we, we need to get out of there. That's right. I once had an experience that taught me the power of kindness and specifically tenderness. Mm-hmm. Using this metaphor of plants and growth, I was working at a strawberry farm in Wisconsin for the day, pulling weeds. And I pulled a lot of weeds for a few hours. And I noticed that the harder I pulled, the more likely only the top part of the weed was going to come out. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I found that if I apply a very gentle pressure, which to me feels like nothing is happening, underneath the surface, the little roots are beginning are beginning to break. It's almost like tricking the weed, um, mm. thinking, hey, like, everything's okay. I'm here with you. Just this, this little gentle kindness, gentle pressure took a little longer. And eventually, it would come right out like it was slipping out as if there was no resistance at all. Wow. Wow. To me, that is the power of tenderness. Um, Yeah. And removing these things from our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah, we get get so angry at ourselves because of the fruit that we forget or maybe never learned how much God cares about our hearts, how much God cares about the soil and the, and the roots, because he cares about the whole, the whole tree. And we, we curse ourselves for the, for the fruit and, you know, grit and grind trying to, trying to produce some different kind of fruit without realizing that, I mean, so John 15, five 
is a different illustration. I'm I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me and I in you, and you will, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a very different posture towards fruit. Abide? That just means remain, stay. Just stay, just stay with me. I mean, what a beautiful, tender, kind invitation, as opposed to, God, you don't want me right now. I'm gonna. I know I got bad fruit. I'm gonna go take care of it. I'll be right back. Like it's just it's. And and I say that from experience. That's kind of where I tend to go. I think so. So we can have a kind of harshness of trying to remove all of the bad fruit in our lives and and just get rid of it, which prevents us from deeper healing. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about okay, what do you do after you have acted out, or maybe even before you've acted out of asking, hmm, where is this coming from? Like, I may not know where it's coming from, but I can assume that it's coming from somewhere. And you get under the surface to name some of the emotions. And then you said under those emotions, we have thoughts and yeah. images. I, I think one one way in there is, is to give yourself permission to pay attention to the images. Um, and so I think for, again, a lot of people who are just focusing on the behavior, who are thinking about thoughts as just words, may not recognize. And so just even begin to ask. And so if I'm walking with a guy, I might say to him, um, what are you, what are you seeing in your, in your mind right now? Mm-hmm. Do you have any images that connect there for you? Um, if you're doing some deeper, deeper work, there might even be memories that, that are connected there. Yes. And so what are the images? Describe that image, describe that scene for me there. Um, and yeah, go ahead. that is amazing. That's an awesome tool. It actually relates to something um, that Daniel Siegel coined. He calls it SIFT, uh, S-I-F-T, sensations, images, feelings, and thoughts. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's basically mm-hmm. saying that we experience all of these things, um, and but they're usually fragmented. And, and when we ask a question like, okay, what do you see? Uh, we're, we're allowing our brains to integrate. And yeah, I was just talking with someone the other day who who realized that the image in his mind was of himself curled up in the fetal position. Wow. And he wasn't doing that physically, but internally that's how he felt. That that was underneath his emotion there was this image of a little boy who mm. is curled mm. up. Wow. Feeling so small. important feeling powerless. That's an example of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, uh, and then the other, the other area of images I think are so important is, um, the images that we carry around about God, like what's the facial expression. And I've, so I've asked people that before too, like where, where where's Jesus in this? What, what's, what's his face look like? And sometimes even when we ask those questions, we might, might run into a few different things. One, um, uh, we might unearth an, an, an incorrect and inaccurate picture of what we, of what God looks like. So we might see God frowning at us. Or I remember at one point for me, seeing God turned away from me in disgust and kind of sticking his arm out like this. And, um, or we might see, we might notice kind of proximity. Like I see God, he's very far away right now. Um, he's, he's, he's got loathing in his eyes. And so we, we can rec- we can compare those to scripture. And, and if we're with a, someone who knows Jesus well, and, can help us to recognize like that doesn't quite sound like the God of the Bible to me. Um, where, where, where's that image coming from? Is there anybody else in your life? You know, have you been looked like at like that before and by who? 
Um, you know, my, my bullies looked at me like that. Um, my dad was far away from me. Is it possible that, that, that that's where that image comes from? Um, another thing that might come up as we ask the question, what does Jesus look like? Jesus might actually intervene in that moment and, and show someone his face in a, in a iconoclastic way, like breaking. And it might surprise us to go, Oh my gosh, I'm, he's actually, I, what I'm seeing is actually very different than what I expected. Um, there's there's kindness he's reaching for me he loves me he's clapping for me he's he's proud of me what he's proud of me i hear you saying that many of our thoughts about god our images of who god is come from our images of our mom our dad primary caregivers and the people who were closest to us yeah and so to change those things obviously we don't just go after our behavior um, and I think what, again, depending on your, your Christian tradition, um, you may have been taught things like, or guys may have been taught things like, you know, you, you have to memorize more scripture, which is great. It is great. Uh, but it's limited if what we're memorizing is just words. Um, and I don't mean that scripture is just words, but, uh, scripture is actually meant to ignite our imaginations. I mean, Jesus told stories because the people around him, were immersed in, in the world he was he was describing. He was trying to get them to conceive of something, imagine something. Images are much more the language of the heart than words are. Um, song is much more the language of the heart than words are. And so if we want to change some of the, those deep embedded images we've got of God or ourselves, that's really an opportunity to practice new images, to use our imaginations in a... Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who talked about the sanctified imagination. And so mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons that he and Tolkien wrote so much fiction because they, they wanted to engage the imaginations of people because they believed that's where some real change could happen for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way of thinking about it is also allowing Jesus access to our imaginations. So we've allowed porn access to our imaginations. When we, when we view pornography, we're using our imaginations um, by the, using the willing suspension of disbelief. That's what we that's what happens to us when we watch a movie, but it certainly is what happens to us when we watch porn. So where do we have disbelief, unbelief? So again, we're going to our functional beliefs, that root system. Where do we have untrue, inaccurate beliefs about God? And are we willing, the willing suspension of our disbelief and to, to invite Jesus to fill our minds and to practice agreeing with them about using our imaginations for, for example, um, God looking at us with eyes of love and kindness and tenderness. Um, God being present to us, <clears throat> even when we've done the thing that we promised him a thousand times, we would not do again. Um, God reaching for us, God embracing us, God holding us. Um, and and I, I found too, we can ask Jesus for this, like, Lord, would you show me, show me what you're looking like right now, show me where you are right now, um, and open our imaginations to him and, and let him speak. Um, and some amazing things can happen in those, in those moments. Again, if we're an artist, like draw the picture, do the painting, write the song, um, engage, like let, let our hearts um, saturate a bit in, in what's mm-hmm. true. Um, one of the most healing times I've had uh, when someone is praying for me, this man is praying for me, and, um, and I, was at a, I was at a conference. People were all around me getting prayed for, and I could hear you know, this like, stuff happening for them. 
this guy's praying and asking the Lord, like, Lord, what are you, what are you saying to Josh? Or I can't remember what the specific prayer was, but it's something like that. Like, you know, show yourself to Josh. And every once in a while he'd say, you know, what are you, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? I'm like, oh, nothing, nothing. This must've gone on for like five minutes. And he, you know, every few minutes he'd ask me what's happening. I have nothing. And I was feeling kind of desperate. And each time he'd say, it's okay. It's okay. He's here. He's here. The prayer ended with, it's okay. He's here. We can trust that he's working even if you can't see or hear him right now. And it was such a freeing thing. And if we think about the tree model again, I would, there, there's part of me that was looking for like, let me just see the visible fruit right now. I, you know, I want that. And he would, this, the guy praying for him is just saying, you know, we can trust that God can go places in the soil that, that you're not even aware of. And maybe we just need to rest in that right now. And um, that's a freeing thing too. There's something healing and just um, practicing that, that reality too. Yeah. And kindness toward ourselves, maybe when we mm. don't get to the roots and we can't mm. remember what happened and it still feels mm. confusing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah. The, the, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Romans, mm-hmm. Romans 2, 4. The kindness of God. Yeah. That is so counterintuitive to so many of us. And what a gift to be patient with ourselves and each other while we're doing this work. I mean, trees don't grow yeah. really quickly. We can't right. even see it most right. of the time. Right. Right. And, and when you, and when you work the soil and do good things down there, uh, bad fruit might still exhibit itself from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can trust the process, trust Jesus in, in the process. So Josh, for somebody who wants to get down to the roots wants to see good fruit in their lives. If you had to simplify it, what would you say? Hmm. What would you offer to that person? Honestly, Drew, I think the the most important thing I could say to somebody would be um, uh, to get in the presence of somebody who who can ask good questions and listens long to you. Hmm. Um, A a space where you can... um, even have somebody else model for you what it is to listen to yourself. And and maybe that's my own bias because I, I couldn't, I, we just didn't do that in my family. I didn't know that there was stuff there. And so it really took people listening, asking me a question, waiting, and then hearing something or seeing something in my facial expression and saying, tell me about that with kindness and curiosity. Um, I think that would be the most beneficial, most valuable thing a person could do. Yeah. I think that's how we are wired to be pursued, to have somebody else track my heart, to help me learn to track my own heart. And you have created an awesome course and program that this teaching is a part of called Awaken, which has been around for a long time, but now it's available in a new way. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm really excited about it. We're so it has been something that we've used in house for a, a decade, and um, really, you you got me thinking several years ago. Like, oh, I wonder if we could make this available to people um, who aren't here. And so we started working at that point on developing it, and making it something that's available, accessible online. Um, and it interestingly, and I didn't think about this when we were going to talk about this today. It came to mind last night that those four different pieces: the our outward actions, um, our feelings our thoughts and our beliefs 
we cover each of those in, in 12 week modules. And so hmm. um, each module is based off something different. It's, it's, we start with strength, which is really about our, our actions, um, which is an interesting place to start because based on what I just said, you think, well, shouldn't you start with soil? But part of the reason we start with the actions is because we want, that's what we've got to work with. We want to start paying attention to what are the, what are these, what are the patterns? What's happening for me? We also do put into place, if you just, if you just do that module, you might go, is this behavior management? But really it's about creating some space. And so we do invite guys to, to think practically, what can I do to help create some space in my life away from my unwanted behaviors so that I can begin tracking a little bit more deeply. And from there, we, we just, we go in the heart. We talk about feelings. We talk about the mind and truth and not just the mind here, but the, our gut, our, our deep, you know, what are our deep thoughts about some things? And then we talk about the soul. We talk about walking in intimacy with, with God. And that's really where our beliefs, our functional beliefs take, take root and grow. And in each of those modules, we talk about the soil. So we, we got to go there and, and talk about what's happened in our experience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's accessible online. It's, it's actually, it's ideal to do with somebody else. It's not meant to be something that you just kind of pick up and drive through. So mm-hmm. for guys to work on it together or to work with a mentor or somebody um, through each of the modules, or you can pick a module and, and, and go through just that one. If you feel like you've, it's really where you're at. So awesome. I'm putting a link to awaken in the show notes and regeneration, Josh's podcast and all his information. So you can connect with him there. Uh, Josh, what is your favorite thing about healing? Hmm. Oh man, you, you know, it just fits what we're talking about today. The, my favorite thing about healing was, a uh, ended up being a, a corollary, but it was a surprise to me. It was, um, getting to know, uh, Jesus more deeply. And I, and I thought I knew him well, and I thought I, I loved him well. I thought I knew his love well, but um, getting into some of these areas down to the soil, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much more of you. And these places in me that, that really thought I knew you, but I didn't know you, or I thought I trust you. I didn't trust you. Like I'm learning to trust you there. That's, he is my favorite part. He is my favorite mm. part about you. So, wow. The treasure. The tre- the treasure. He's in there. He is in there. Yes. So good. The treasure is in the soil. Um, if we're willing to search. And I, can I, and just so for guys listening, just an appeal to you that um, what's most important to the Lord about this is not that you get it right. He loves the soil. He loves, he loves you, the different parts of you and wants to meet with you in those places. This is, this is why it's important to him. Not just so you do the right thing, um, but because he's after you, he made you and he wants to engage with you in all those places. Amen. Josh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Drew. Joy to be with you again. Same. And gentlemen, always remember, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. 